A new development in the Modern Times case. The ill-fated ad campaign that took down Schlitz. Are you frickin' ready for a comeback? This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Beer. If this podcast were a dude at a beer festival, we'd be that guy who rolls up on a volunteer, tells him that we've been to the brewery and we like that one beer. You know that beer you did back in December? Which which beer were that? Which beer was that? Well, anyway, it wasn't to style. It was still pretty good, but it wasn't as good as that one the other brewery did. You know that one on the East Coast? You probably didn't try it, but my cousin uh, gave it to me. Uh, you can't get them here. What's that? Oh, okay, just give me an IPA. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman, and that is so true. The only <laughs> thing truer... Hold on. Let me pull the this up this beam ah it says it's a screenshot of a tweet that says hey man are you coming to the beer fest in this asphalt parking lot next to a bank wristbands are 45 dollars. it comes with a tasting glass it's supposed to be 96 degrees at 10 a.m food truck is serving impossible burritos brother's fellow is tapping an imperial stout made from sawdust <laughs> i was like if that doesn't describe almost every beer fest i've ever had to work i don't know what does a lot of sawdust beers this year no, uh, just everything up to sawdust. <laughs> well, uh, uh, good par- one. Partially why we have to take the summer off is because of all the beer fests you will be enjoying. So, Fuck, dude. this is our last episode before we take the uh, take the summer off. And as is tradition, I can't pour a beer. Yeah, you, well, that we know that. I also, I mean, you know, it, it was also in my backpack as I was because I got a flat tire today. So you know, good times. Um, anyway, uh, as is tradition, we uh, uh, basically get um, a whole bunch of beers of the same style and spend most of our time discussing that style while getting a little bit drunker than uh, uh, normally than we normally do on this podcast. Yeah. Um, we've got a run of Kolsch because it just seemed proper uh, for the for the hotter weather. Yeah. Uh, you want to give the listeners a brief rundown of the style or? Well, fine. I guess I can do that. Um, I have to pull up the style because I am woefully unpre- unprepared for this. Well, um, anyway. I've got the Oxford Guide to why Beer. You, why don't you start that there? And I'll, by that by that point in time, I'll have uh, uh, the Kolsch pulled up. So Kolsch is a top fermented local beer from Cologne, Germany. Uh, they're characterized by light, fruity yeast note, and aroma and taste, as well as a pleasant hoppy bitterness. Uh, gives a full breakdown of when Kolsch first started, uh, but it was basically the Cologne Brewers decided to fight back with a pale beer of their own um, against Bohemia, and they made fight Kolsch. German fight German yep. fight. Uh, they use a warm fermenting ale yeast compared to the cold fermenting lager yeast, um, and. With this here, in 1986, they renewed the convention that defines a true Kolsch, which is a light-colored, highly fermented, strongly hopped, bright, top-fermenting Volbeer. Uh, and it has to be served in the famous 0.2-liter tall, straight Kolsch Stangen glass. Yeah, we're not doing that. No. Uh, <laughs> especially... Uh, and technically, the only brewers who can produce it are in Cologne. And yet, we have uh, four brewers who are nowhere near Cologne. Uh, but uh, this one actually is the Reisdorf uh, Kolsch. It's the one actual uh, uh, German Kolsch we were able to get this time because uh, imports are a bitch right now. Yep. But that actually works because Reisdorf, I think, well, it'll be interesting to see if my how if my opinion uh, uh, changes throughout this little uh, journey. But Reisdorf, I. Maintain is my favorite Kolsch. Yeah. I mean, it's been a while since I've had the Reisdorf. Uh, I do really enjoy the Occidental that we got coming up next. So, But uh, the BJCP uh, style guidelines, overall impression, a clean, crisp, delicately balanced beer, usually with a very subtle fruit and hop character. Subdued maltiness through, throughout leads to a pleasantly well-attenuated and refreshing finish. Freshness makes a huge difference with this beer, as a delicate character can fade quickly with age. Brilliant clarity is characteristic. The aroma. Low to very low malt aroma with a grainy sweet character. Pleasant, subtle fruit aroma with from fermentation, apple, cherry, or pear is acceptable, but not always present. A low floral or spicy herbal hop aroma is optional, but not out of style. Some yeast strains may give a slight whiny or sulfury character, 
This is characteristic is also optional, but not a, but not a fault. Overall, the intensity of aromatics is fairly subtle, but generally balanced, clean, and fresh. Appearance, very pale gold to light gold, very clear. Authentic commercial versions are filtered to a brilliant clarity. Has a delicate white head that may not persist. Uh, flavor, soft, rounded palate, compromi <laughs> compromise, comprised of a delicate flavor, balanced between soft yet attenuated malt, and almost imperceptibly fruity sweetness from fermentation, and a medium low to medium bitterness, with a delicate dryness and slight crispness to the finish, but no harsh aftertaste. The malt tends to be grainy sweet, possibly with a very light bready or honey quality. The hop flavor is variable and can range from low to moderately high and have a floral, spicy, or herbal character. May have a multi-sweet impression from the start, but is not required. No noticeable residual sweetness. May have a slight whiny, minerally, or sulfurly accent that accentuates the dryness and flavor balance. A slight wheat taste is rare, but not a fault. Overall, very clean. I think this is pretty true to style. And this, well, it is the one of the, I mean, it is a true Cologne uh, Kolsch. Mm -hmm. It's even got the protected geographic region stamp. But yeah. Yeah, some light fruity flavors, like a little bit of apricot or cherry, mm -hmm. touch of honey sweetness, r nice balanced spicy hop character. You have enough hop presence to know. But not too much. You got the, I mean, you got that presence to make it very drinkable. Um, but, I mean, not like Pilsner level. It's not like that yeah. really sharp. It's again just very balanced, very well balanced all around. So, uh, mm -hmm. I think that'd be the, that's a that's a good uh, uh, a good measuring stick to which to measure the rest of those. The rest of uh, what we got coming up, the Occidental Kolsch, um, the Love Wins from Fremont. It's a, it's a uh, a, uh, a beer they did for Pride Month, um, the Mammoth, Golden Trout, and Grand Teton, Little Critter. So, uh, we usually just kind of drink beer and bullshit about the uh, the beer style uh, during the last one before the summer, but shit has been going on, so we actually have to do a little bit of news. Uh, Tyler, do you want to catch us up a bit? Hey everyone, it's Jeremy Jones, but not the Jeremy Jones you were listening to. No, this is the Jeremy Jones of the future. About 12 hours of the future, to be exact, after we recorded this, when we found out that Stone Brewery was being sold to Sapporo. Yes, that deal was announced this morning, about an hour after this very podcast went live. Stone reportedly is selling to Sapporo for $165 million. Greg Koch released a statement that, well, let's just say it uh, starts up by quoting... Uh, Metallica and uh, Herocilius. Um, not normally a, a lot of overlap between those two great thinkers, but they're a part of a whole dissertation by Coke as to why a man who railed against breweries who, that sold out and vowed he would never, ever sell out decided to, well, sell out. Uh, it's worth reading. You can find it on our Twitter and our Facebook feeds. Um, now, while I don't think either myself nor Tyler was terribly surprised by this development, the timing was a little bit of a shock. And of course, it leaves us with a ton of questions. Um, is this the end of Stone? Uh, is this the end of craft beer? Will Stone change? Is everything? Is everybody going to sell out eventually? Um, and does independent craft even mean anything anymore? And lucky for you, I have the answer to all those questions. Uh, no, uh, definitely not. Uh, yes, a bit, probably. Um, a few, and not much less than it did about 24 hours ago. Um, we will, of course, dive deeper into all these questions um, at a much later date when we learn more, but I did feel it necessary to go back into the past and deliver this crucial message at great expense and with some physical discomfiture. Unfortunately, due to the uh, actual limitations of time travel, uh, the current Jeremy and Tyler cannot hear me, which is just as well. I could totally wreck a space-time continuum in just a span of an evening. Uh, so yeah, Stone, Sapporo, uh, big sale. Stay tuned for more information as it becomes available. Uh, and now back to Jeremy and Tyler. Yeah, so we're going to the land of California. God damn, we spent a lot of time there. Can we go yeah. to the... I almost said, we're going to the land down under. And then I was like, people might get confused. I'm already uh, confused. Well, so we've covered uh, Modern Times is in a receivership right now. Uh, and we talked about how uh, Maui Brewing had the stocking horse bid of $7.1 million, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to see if that number's in here. Um, 
don't see it in the article. Um, but uh, they had an auction on June 17th, basically to auction off Modern Times as uh, a whole company over liquidating individual, basically piecemealing the brewery out and selling it all off for parts. Um, and there was a winner declared. Uh, brewery X out of Anaheim, California was declared the winning is that the actual the name of the place? Brewery X. Brewery X. Okay, when when you when you mentioned it was Brewery X, I'm like, are they just not saying what the name is or? Nope, that is the name. Brewery X. Yep. Uh, it's like a kings and convicts situation all over again. Yep. Brewery X. Uh, a little bit about them. Um, they are with or seven point six two was the initial Maui bid, but Brewery X is. A fairly new brewery uh, based out of Anaheim, uh, but starting to make some moves. They opened in 2019. Um, that is very new. Yep. Uh, they originated from a project of University of Southern California Master's of Science in Entrepreneurship and Innovation Program uh, by alumni from the College of Paige Pennington, Carly Pennington, Clay Wellbank, and Chris Pennington, father to Paige and Carly. And owner of Rancho Cucamonga's Penn Wall Industries. Uh, Trevor Walls, um, the director of their brewing operations, previously worked for Ballast Point, the brewery, Pizza Port, and Pizza Port Brewing. Uh, they won a silver medal at this year's World Beer Cup in American Style IPA for their Super Slap IPA. They have invested heavily in professional sports in their hometown. Uh, with bar and taproom spaces at the home stadiums for the Anaheim Ducks, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, and have a taproom in the Ontario International Airport. Uh, so, little backstory on that. They were awarded the winning bid with a bid of $20 million. Um, but, they may not be the winner. Uh, because... A brewery out of North Carolina is contesting it, saying they had the highest bid. Uh, so, Brewbound reported originally, uh, MTD's uh, president, K. Bagby-Taylor, Kurt Bagby-Taylor, uh, who is the founder and former CEO of Next Glass, the parent company of Untapped Beer Advocate and Hop Culture. Uh, Christ. <laughs> So the brewery that had the winning bid uh, is True Colors Brewery. Um, said MTD as True Colors uh, should have won it because they had a higher bid of $21 million. That is higher than $20 million. Yes. I've, I've done the math. It, it's pretty hard to do, but I, I don't know. I, I, I can show you my work if that helps. So they brought it up. To the judge uh, in the California Superior Court in Orange County. And the judge said he would review the complaint and additional documents. There's no time frame yet when a decision will be made. Um, but the lawyer for MTD described the bidding process as flawed and highly irregular. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of curious about the... Go on. <laughs> so... Uh, they alleged a court-appointed receiver accepted MTD's higher bid... And designated a winner, but after conferring with the company and the two lenders in private, the receiver then reversed course and designated Breweries X twenty million dollar bid the winner, despite its lowly, lower monetary offer. Uh, the complaint states that preference was given to the lower bid because of its shorter closing period, being within the same state of California, which. MTD alleges is a violation of the auction stated terms. So, uh, that the the reason the shorter closing period is critical is because apparently Modern Times is out of money. They don't have enough money on hand to meet a four hundred thousand dollar payroll next week. Oh shit! So, uh, the judge declined. Uh, on ruling on the complaint today uh, because he had expected or the client on June 20th to rule on that because he expected the hearing to be a 10 minute affair 
to basically just say, yep, this brewery was the highest bidder. They won. Let's move on. And so he was confronted with this controversy uh, and needs time to decide and look over the results of the auction um, to see basically what the fuck happened and who the new owner should be of modern times. I mean, the good news is is that that, that they there's no uh, uh, shortage of people who want it and are paying quite a lot for it. But holy fuck nuts. But bad news, this drags out past next week. Uh, those employees aren't getting paid. Correct. And I get wanting to make sure it can close quicker. But I'm like, they couldn't have worked out. Okay, we're going to need 400000 of earnest money, basically up front, why this tries to close so we can pay payroll. You fine with that? I'm sure MDT would have been like, yeah, here you go. <laughs> might, as, might as well just take it out of the pile of <laughs> the $20 million pile we've got. So, and then I saw a story that Brewery X was going to up their bid to one to 21 million dollars but i haven't heard for sure so i it's gonna be a whole clusterfuck is what i'm trying to say before we find out who now owns modern times i'm a little sad it isn't malibu um as we uh, maui maui excuse me uh that isn't uh maui brewing because we talked that would as we talked to uh when that bid first came out that that was a pretty good match for everybody uh yeah um Everybody, all things considered, um, I'm a little shocked at. I mean, how new the breweries that are that are uh, that that are interested in this, uh, yeah, this thing is. But I think both the breweries that are interested have a big financial backing, kind of like Kings and Convicts did. And Maui is that typical old school brewery story where they bootstrapped it, and he he was tapped out, couldn't go any higher, and I mean. 7.6 to $21 million? Yeah, I'm going with the $21 million. Yes, please. Especially when you have no money right now. Which I'm really surprised the bank didn't go. Yeah, I don't care if it we can close. Fuck the employees of that company. They won't get paid. Sorry. Uh, let's take the higher bid. It pays off the debts. I mean, the bankers are not terribly known for their concern when it comes to uh, uh, other employees. But, um, yeah, a little bit. It, the only thing I could think of is if they can't pay the employees, they have to file bankruptcy. And then that would set off a chain of events where they have to then... They've already done that, though. I mean, that's why they're in receivership. No, They never filed for bankruptcy. The bank just put not, them into I receivership. Guess I guess that's correct, because they, they never filed for bankruptcy, but they, yeah, they did get put into receivership. So the only thing I could think of is if that happens, then it forces them into bankruptcy, and then the bank has to piecemeal them apart and knows they're going to lose money. So the worst case scenario we thought the the, the the worst case scenario that we thought had been adverted when uh, Maui stood you know uh, came forward uh, with a bid you know the whole idea like well there's there's somebody who wants it so it's not gonna be sold piecemeal that's now back on the table I, maybe I, honest maybe I don't know what's gonna happen if they can't make payroll next right week. all right well or <laughs> maybe they can't make p payroll nothing happens and then the breweries are still the one of the breweries is still able to acquire it that they want, but now they have to hire a whole new flood of people because, I mean, if I'm working for you and my paycheck doesn't come through, I'm no longer working there. I mean, at least not that week. It might be, you know, call me next week. I'll let you know if I'm busy or not. <laughs> but, it, well, the good news is if, that, if there was a time that you had to... to uh, 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 if you're if you're working for modern times, if there was a time to suddenly find yourself without a job, there's uh, there there are there are jobs to be had at the moment. Sucks if you have to hire an entire crew right now. Yeah. Um, if you are that person, it's going to it's going to blow goats. Yep. Uh, to try to get that place staffed at the moment, but. Mm-hmm. So. So I guess I don't know. Stay. Uh, uh, 
in September, we'll let you know how it all played out. If this blows up in beautiful fashion, we may have to do a random episode, but... Come back to this, I'm like, holy shit, the modern the modern times midsummer episode, holy fuck nuts that this thing just crater. Yeah. <laughs> let us let us wallow in the continuing clusterfuck that is modern times. Yeah, so I guess if you don't wanna wait till we can possibly do a follow up episode, keep your eye on Good Beer Hunting. I'm sure they'll have the article. Uh, but you're gonna actually have to read it. You're gonna. You're not. You can. You can't have a couple of drunks badly read it to you. Yeah. Not for a while. Um, in the in the meantime, I've I've moved on to the next one. Tyler, you're you're you are um, slacking on me. Where's that college drinking behavior? Just nursing these beers, you little shit. Uh, what Jeremy doesn't mention is he's got the smaller of the two glasses. Right. <laughs> and your point is. <laughs> so he's like. Yeah, I fill mine to half, you fill yours to half, and I finish mine quicker. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's your problem? You got less ounces. <laughs> uh, we're moving on to the Occidental. The first thing I notice bet- 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 from the Reisdorf is a slightly more pronounced bitterness. I mean, it's subtle. It's still got that spicy hop character, but just a, just a little, you know, move the bar like a half an inch to the... To, to a more bitter, hoppy profile. Um, not as fruity, like straight up like... I was going to say, not as many fruity esters. And in my mind, a little crisper finish. Yeah. So. I mean, on the... On the scale... On, uh, on the entire scale, this would almost... This, is, this, this strikes me as a little bit um, uh, cleaner. Almost more lager-ish than... The uh, than the Reisdorf, but I mean, also very nice. Mm-hmm. That was four and a half percent compared to. Do they even put that on here? Please stand by while Tyler checks the uh, checks the can for uh, for alcohol percentage. They don't. Um, no, they don't. Yeah. I mean, Germans don't. I mean, you were about to make fun of me. Steve. I was going to. I was going to give you such shit if I. I well, I was, I, in my in my mind, I was going to find it immediately, and be like, "There it is, five point five percent." No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm I was like, kidding. "Show me, <laughs> show me on the can, fucker. <laughs> show me on the can where it touched you. <laughs> show me on the can where the man punctured you. <laughs> it was a nail. It was in my bike tire. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> Been a rough day." <laughs> Well, Jeremy, what do we got next? Well, this is not really. Uh, this is kind of apropos of nothing. I, this was something. This was something I uh, I, I came across uh, earlier this year. I don't even know remember what I was looking for uh, when I came across it, but I saved it because I wanted to do it. I, I wanted to talk about this for our uh, for our uh, uh, our uh, end of summer episode. Um, uh, I figured there was about an even chance that you had heard about this story before. But, uh, uh, I mean, when I hear the story, I can tell you for sure. I'm about 90% chance I know what you're talking about. It is, it it is the, uh, uh, tale of drink Schlitz or we'll kill you campaign. (laughs) Okay. That's not the one I was thinking of. Uh, Um, um, I wasn't sure being in marketing, you may have heard about it because it is apparently an apocryphal tale in advertising history, it's basically a what not to do uh, when creating an ad campaign, especially television commercials. What did you think I was going to talk about? So I thought you were bringing up, so Schlitz did like these heavy ad campaigns where it was talking about brewed with the best quality and like the whole ad campaign was all quality. Well, then they got a new CEO and it oh. basically, he was like, we need to start cutting costs, so let's tank the quality. And then it basically, simultaneously, they're making the beer worse while bragging about the quality. And just the brand, just the bottom fucking fell out. And they were like, okay, let's up the quality, let's up the quality. We need to, like, get back sales, so we gotta fucking do this. We gotta revert all our changes. And basically, at that point... They were sliding down that hill and couldn't grab a handhold. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, you've, you you basically summed up, um, you know, kind of my, what I was going to talk about leading up to it. But yeah, I mean, that's basically the the tale of Schlitz. Um, uh, they were the uh, number one brewery in this country in the 1950s. Um, the story I'm going to tell takes place in 1976. Oh when, my God, how have I never heard about this? When, um, when uh, uh, as you alluded to, they were less less than impressive. Um, in fact, um, um, I, I had I had I had to go back and look at uh, my uh, copy of uh, of uh, Ambitious Brew, my uh, Marine Ogle, to kind of get an idea of where Schlitz was at this point in time. Um, you know, and as you mentioned, they started they they did do some pretty heavy cost cutting. Quality did suffer. Um, they'd cut production time considerably in a process they called accelerated batch fermentation. And it basically gelatined the fucking batch. Right. And then people started going to pour it out, and it was thick and chunky, and they were like, mm, never mind. But they also started, they replaced almost all the barley with corn syrup, and they added silica gel as a haze preventer yep. and a stabilizer. And when the FDA threatened to start including ingredients in the beer, in beer labels... Schlitz switched to a product called Chillguard, which, due to the fact that it dissipated before canning, uh, they didn't have to. They didn't have to list it, um, but it also had the added benefit of absolutely ripping uh, 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 head retention to, to shit, and so it had the effect of the beer. It was it's described in uh, Ogle's book as uh, flat as apple cider. <laughs> oh my god. Um, and actually, and you again, you meant, alluded to the fact that the guys there's this was at this point in time, um, the 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 CEO had died, um, and it was being run by three guys who had no idea what they were doing, um, or as an employee at the time said, "quote There were three guys running the second largest beer company in the world, and not one of them had ever sold a case of beer in their lives." Oh fuck! So I mean, so yeah, uh, and 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 so this is actually a tale of. A, uh, w- their last desperate attempt to try to get uh, uh, get people's attention, um, and so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna show you a, 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 a couple of things. Basically, what the triumvirate the, the triumvirate's plan. Um, they're going to have this kick-ass advertising campaign. Um, so they hired a team of ad executives, and this is what they uh, came up with. I'm gonna start. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you listen to the first one. Um, and for those of you listening, the scene is basically a black boxer along with his trainers on in his entourage uh, hanging out in a uh, in Excuse the, me, uh, champ. Uh, Great fight. Room. Now, we'd like to take away your Schlitz and have you endorse our beer. Ooh, you want to take away my gusto? <laughs> Say, you tickle me. <laughs> you want to take away my Schlitz, my gusto? Well, I'm going to play Picasso. And put you on the canvas. <laughs> You're going to be down for a count so long, they're going to use a calculator. <laughs> take away my gusto. Okay. All right. So that one actually isn't too bad. No. Um. But you. But you see the. Uh, that you see the. You kind of start seeing the problem that does. Uh, uh, that will emerge soon. Um. And that is like this. Uh. This. Uh. Uh. uh basically threatening the, <laughs> the. The television audience. Now in this ad, it kind of. It sort of kind of works. Um. Basically, it's weird, but you know, the, the, it's it, he's got kind of a Muhammad Ali vibe, or at least uh, a clueless white guy trying to write Muhammad Ali vibe. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's a sh- shit talking boxer, but it works in context. Um, this is the one that I think people made that uh, people uh, made people recoil a bit. Um, hold on, let me cue it up, and. Um, this again for those listening. The scene is basically this grizzled old lumberjack and his pet fucking cougar, and I ain't talking about an attractive older woman. Um, this this is the one that made me go holy fuck nuts. Excuse me, sir. We'd like to take away your Schlitz and have you try our beer. Shut up, down, baby. I'll handle this. You want to take away my Schlitz? You want to take away my gusto? <laughs> You're the first person that ever made me laugh. You want to take away my Schlitz? My gusto? <laughs> Say hello to your lunch. Take away my gusto. If you don't have Schlitz, you don't have gusto. You don't have beer. Now, 
Tyler, as a as a marketing person, would you like to <laughs> to, to give us a rundown on on what might be why that might not be the best idea to get people's attention? I mean, you threaten someone, they're really not going to be like, <laughs> you know what? You're right. I need to go buy that. You got to be a little more smooth. <laughs> Well, it's uh, the way they put it together because they have like some random person, and it's hard to you have to go check them out. But you, but the way they're set up is like some person just off camera. You see their hand, like offer them an off-brand beer, and the cougar reaches for it, and and then you know you've got got these like manly men who just berate <laughs> the television for thirty seconds before they tell you drink Schlitz. <laughs> um, yeah. like you could have relayed the same message but had it better received by having like said manly man be like i i was drinking this and be like well hey here try this and be like wow this gives me all the gusto i need (laughs) and not be like you'll die i mean i had so many questions first i mean uh first of all the first person to ever make this dude laugh That was a line that, like, not a chuckle, not a chuckle snort, not a guffaw, nothing. You would lead a sad life, dude. And Well, his best friend's a cougar. <laughs> so what are you assuming his human interaction is? And also, I don't want any part of your gusto, man. <laughs> Or your sex life, but I mean, but you're you're kind of correct. Um, you know, I, I I when I found this, I read a couple of articles about it, and the 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 response from, I mean, first of all, it did not increase sales, no. and the response from people was like, I don't want a Schlitz. I kind of want to lock my door and, <laughs> and never let anybody in again. Yeah, like that's almost as bad. Almost as bad as the Bud Light's ad campaign a couple years ago that was. Bud Light takes no out of your vocabulary. Ooh, yeah, that was a rough one, too. And then they wondered why people were like, that just screams like an ad for sexual assault. And they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, that's not what we meant. (laughs) Like, really, what you meant? Well, I mean, like, if you're a woman and you're drinking, this is not sounding any better. (laughs) I mean, if you're a man and you hear a woman say, no, wait, no, well, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> what we meant was, is that. You'll uh, have a good time. Is that you get drunk and you make bad decisions. Listen. <laughs> Actually, arguably, that was worse than the Schlitz. <laughs> oh, no, I said that was worse. I said it was almost as bad. bad. Yeah. Um, that, that, while that, that, uh, those ads did not kill the brand, um. Uh, it it basically anybody who uh, uh, was thinking about giving Schlitz another try at that point in time, um, they may have been may have reconsidered after being threatened by a cougar. Um, uh, sales continued to plummet immediately after that. Then they pulled the ads, um, and uh, uh, they continued to plummet until the they actually closed the last Schlitz brewery in 1981. Uh, but after that, Schlitz still existed in theory. Um, Pabst, in 1999, bought what was left of it, which is, I think, is basically the name and the branding and what have you. And the recipes. So. Um, and it has, to a certain extent, resurrected the brand. You can buy Schlitz beer again. Yeah, it's all now malt liquor. And also, I mean, it's the, the original recipe uh, to Schlitz, before they started fucking with it by adding corn syrup and silica gel and everything else the original schlitz recipe is lost uh no one has ever found that oh really so schlitz as it existed before this uh is is really truly gone a loss to history but uh i I, but that (laughs) i when i get home i now have to look through because i feel excited and one of the beer books I had read, they talked about kind of like the slide down of Schlitz. But I don't feel like maybe they was just a... And then they made those changes to quality and then this ad campaign didn't help. No. and <laughs> But I'm like, I feel like they just kind of breezed past this ad campaign and... 
How the fuck did I miss that? I mean, again, they, um, uh, this in in my book on that, she doesn't mention it. She does mention their uh, the fact that they tried to uh, uh, their their shady money deals and what have you. But no, this it's it doesn't beg the question like how much uh, it really contributed. It may have it may not have. I mean, I think. I, it I, was probably the final nail in the coffin. I think I, at this point in time, I doubt an ad campaign would have saved Schlitz. It would have maybe kept the brand limping on for a little. You know, if, if, if the opposite of this happened and they came out with a gangbusters the, campaign, like a like the kind of ad campaign, you know, tastes great, less filling, right? Mm-hmm. That almost defines, you know, the what uh, what what or, good was that or that. Oh Christ! That actually still hurts my brain. <laughs> but yes, the 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 kind of thing that uh, almost defines you know something that sticks in your mind. Even if they had done that, I don't think it was enough to save Schlitz at this point in time. It may have crept them back closer to relevancy and kept them afloat. They would have never been back to what they were because I mean, around that same time was when AB was on its historic like. We are going to be 50% of the market share, mm-hmm. like Crusade. Yes. And at this point, and at this point in time, I mean, um, yeah, Anheuser-Busch was riding, was riding quite high. Um, and then you started having Miller and, and all them coming up quick and Pabst. And- Pabst was on there. Miller was on there. Bush... Um, I think Falstaff was actually still uh, still around at that point in time, but um, but there you go, a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of uh, uh, weird beer history. <laughs> Damn, like n- now I'm like, how have I never like did I read about this and somehow just like black it out, being like <laughs> no one was actually that dumb. <laughs> Again, the, the, the boxer one kind of works, and I think it's because of context. Yeah, where he doesn't like... Also, the... He's the, like, you take my beer, I'll knock you out. I mean, also, I, let's, the, the Picasso, you know, I'll, I'll be like Picasso and put you on oh, canvas. canvas. Yeah. That's, that's clever. I mean, yeah. I, there's a... And, he's, and they're going to need a calculator f- to figure out how long you're down. I mean... Like, okay. Again, there's like a Muhammad Ali flair, you know, like not yeah. as clever as Muhammad Ali. But it's got that kind of, you know, clever twist. I, I rather I, that one's I think kind of works. The cougar one. <laughs> and it would have been one thing if he was like, didn't go. There's your lunch. Uh. Also, I do. I want to point out that so that so in, in the ad, you know, the cougar kind of snarls, and the guy guy goes, "I'll handle this." He berates him for a few seconds, and then, "All right, cougar, now you can go. Now you can eat him." So it's like, wait. Is that is that your? Do you just like hold on, hold on? I can handle this. The man clearly needs to be berated before you eat him. Before he listen, if you if you try to eat a man who's not been berated, it's, the meat is very tough. It, this berating them's like tenderizing them. Exactly. So you just so you just berate them a little bit. It's nice and tender and eviscerated. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> well, so we we moved on to the Fremont. Also, um, I think I googled. I think there were some print ads too. Oh, for the uh, the drink Schlitzer will kill you campaign. Yes, <laughs> not the official name for it. It's what people. It's the, what uh, uh, people came up for it. Uh, Hold on, I'm, I'm just trying to. All right. Well, anyway, we've moved on to the Fremont Love Wins uh, Cole style. Um, I mean, it's right. It's right in style. I want to say here we get a little bit more fruitier flavors. I get a touch of apricot, a little bit of like, a little bit of drier sweetness. If that if that makes any sense, which it doesn't, um, and a lot more subdued hot profile than either the Occidental or the Reisdorf, or maybe I'm just you know my uh, palate's just adjusting. Um, but exceptionally smooth, very drinkable. Uh, I'm digging this one. Find anything yet? I think this one. Sits a little sweeter in my mind, uh, but no. Yeah, a little bit. Well, at least the ba- the balance is a little bit more toward. Off, it's sweeter, or if I'm just getting less hops. I want to say I'm just getting less hops. And that might be it. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look like there's any print ads. Uh, but I mean, like 
Here's one of their classic ads. How do you pivot? It's like, it's not just you. The cars were cooler. The girls were hotter. The beer was better. The classic 60s formula is back. Go for the gusto. And then you go, if you don't drink it, you're going to die, motherfucker. Die, motherfucker. Die. <laughs> or if you try to <laughs> try to take away my gut. <laughs> I'm never going to touch. I, listen, my policy is to never touch another man's gusto. All right. That's just, that's just my thing. I don't judge anybody who, they, they, if you want to go, you know, touch. Find a hole in a bathroom stall and touch someone's gusto. Go for it. Listen, that's between you and that man's gusto. But and the bathroom stall. It's not, but it's not my thing to ever ever touch a man's gusto, <laughs> and definitely not yours, sir. <laughs> your your gusto looks fairly frazzled. <laughs> uh, well, we got one more kind of article uh, talking about how brewers are starting to re-embrace the firkin. Oh, thank God, because I was worried that uh, we wouldn't, uh, uh, um, when did they stop it? I mean, because it was kind of a hipster beer thing since its inception. It, did it go away? Well, its inception was back in old world Britain when it was in a wooden cask. Okay, yeah, real ale, yes. No, along the lines of a real ale, but... Little different. What's the difference? I always kind of so the firkin uh, is an eleven gallon, basically cask, um, that is vented at the top and has a spout at the bottom. Okay. It is just specifically for that size. So if it's a bigger size, it's not a firkin. Okay. So. Uh, where a real ale, I think, was typically served in a little bit larger size container, especially when once stainless steel started to get in. So it's all about the size of the container. That's really the only difference, as far as I could tell. So okay. it says the word "firkin" refers to a unit of measurement adopted by the British from the Dutch for their small wooden cask of beer delivered to pubs before refrigeration. I didn't know it was a unit of measurement. Yep, I'm learning all sorts of things today. Uh, so. As early as the 15th century, pub owners and managers would set up firkins in their cellars to stay cool and allow the settlement to settle. Next, they'd tap the firkins with the mallet and deliver the beer wait to the waiting patrons via a pump. Uh, nowadays, most firkins aren't hooked up to a pump. Uh, but they're starting to make it back. So if you go, well, what the fuck is a per- firkin? Uh, well, it is basically an 11 gallon keg with a spigot at the bottom on the what would be essentially the top if you were standing it up at the bottom of the circle on the top and then a bung hole on the side that you lay it down so you can dispense so it's got a so it's got a spout at the top at the bottom and a bung hole on the side yes that's how i describe you to people perfect <laughs> you got a spout at the top but sometimes at the bottom depends on how which way you have it. But it could be you put a spout in his top, and then he's got a bunghole, and you just you play with the bunghole, and he gets said and, he, and, he and shoots out the spout. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, they also do make what's called a pin firkin, which is only a five gallon version of that, so kind of shrinks that down. So because once you tap a firkin, you basically are pouring it until it is gone. There, There's really no way to maintain the carbonation, maintain the full flavors. It is intended to be consumed immediately after. Not going to hold up for a long period of time. That's why it started dying off pretty hard once the addition of stainless steel and uh, really refrigeration and preservation of beers came along. I mean, it's the same, it's the same type, type of thing that, that sort of started, I mean, that sort of started killing off real ale. Yep. Uh, I mean, what, well, what preserved real ale, I mean, uh, I mean, let's face it, real ale was how beer was served, not just in England, but it's just how beer was served. Mm-hmm. Um, England, per, England as near as I can tell, with their sort of, their strange British obsession with the past, Yep. Um, they're the only country that kept it because they're, I mean, they're British. Uh, the United States still does. I think we have six bars but in we town. Didn't, but we didn't really have that history no. to, so, to, well, to speak of. We refer to it as a cascale now. Yes. Uh, in the United States, I think six bars in town have 
cask handles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you'll see that it's that big, and they pull it down, and it pumps the beer up from the line. Uh, so inside the firkin, you'd put beer that still has some active yeast in it, and then add something else uh, that usually contained a little bit of sugar to help restart fermentation and basically self-carbonate inside the container. Uh, so whether that's um, some cacao, some chocolate, uh, different fruits like pineapple or whatever, uh, you'd add that in there. And with this here, you're getting a unique experience that you can't actually try until it is tapped. Right. Neither the brewer nor the customer knows what this is going to taste like. Until they try it. It's, there's no trying along the way. It is, when you tap it, it's going. As as I, I, as I discovered at one point in time when they were tapping a firkin at some brewery who, that will remain nameless, uh, when they, when, uh, uh, what, it wasn't the brewer, but it was one of the uh, heads, or one of the higher ups then tasted it and was like, oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, he didn't say that out loud. He saw, look at, look, saw the look on his face, and then I tried it. I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, that that went a bit sideways. Yep. So uh, one of the brewers they actually interviewed from Idle Hounds Brewing in Santa Rosa Beach says, you get really soft aromatics. Uh, it's carbonated, but not harshly. It's warmer, and all those ingredients you add, like chocolate, different types of hops, capsaicin, and peppers, all start to open up the more delicate flavors showcase in this brewing method uh, and it, it is a spectacle to watch a bar or a brewery tap a firkin for an event because you you have to vent with a wooden spire at the top to slowly let some co2 start to come out and slowly be releasing and allow just normal atmosphere to push it down through um but then also you have to hammer your spout in there. Little pro tip. Make sure the spout's open. So when you hammer it in, it can go out the bottom of the spout. Because if the spout's closed and you try to hammer it in, it's going to be pushing back at the end of that. And I've seen it where it'll pop back out and spray a wall. <laughs> and then you're trying to like... Put it... Just jam that back, back into in. The- yeah. So pro tip... Spire in the top to start degassing slowly. Open the spout. Slam it in. As soon as you get in. And swing hard. Close that. And then you can start pouring off. I might be confused. Are you just, are you, are you talking about uh, uh, how you serve a beer or how you ended up with a daughter? A little bit of both. Uh, <laughs> both have alcohol involved. Uh, but, um, and so they talk about how... They both required a hammer, I believe. <laughs> Um, this really kind of originates from England um, and everyone gets riled up one person slams it in with a mallet and pours the first taste there's this, there's ceremony to it um, and there's also a process of avoid getting wet when the tapping commences if you're standing near <laughs> um, I was talking to someone and they went to one and there was a chalkboard wall kind of right next to it yeah. that they had a bunch of stuff written on when they slammed it some of the beer sprayed out and just sprayed the chalkboard wall and it just all started running. Um, I feel like you almost want like a splatter wall on the other side yeah. just to j- j- just to enjoy. Because it's, listen, much like bottling beer, this is a messy process. There's yes. no way to do this without beer getting everywhere. Yes. Um, one of the brewers also said, with a firkin, you can't taste it. Once it's tapped, it's tapped. You have to drink it. It's always a surprise. There are a lot of beer festivals, a lot of wine festivals, but there's something unique with Firkins. And it just reminded me now, that f- Boise has a festival. The Firkin Frolic. The yeah. Firkin Frolic. But I was told this year they're not requ- they're not having, if someone wants to bring a Firkin, they can, but they're not like showcasing Firkins. And I was like, that was the best part of that because people actually got to try that's right. Yes, it doesn't taste like a normal beer because it's served at room temp. It's different, but 
That's what made it fun and educational. Also, if you have a thing, if you have a beer festival called the Firkin Frolic, and no one brings a Firkin, then what the Firkin are you doing? There's where's the Frolic with the Firkin? Yeah. Um, now, uh, these are I mean these are made to be consumed in one go. As although with as opposed to a real ale, which I mean you want to consume. I mean, real ale does have a shelf life on it. Yes. I mean, but it's not. But it's not a a, a one. It's, you don't have to consume. You don't put a new keg on every day. No. Real ale. And with the firkin, because you're venting the top, you're allowing it can oxygenate so much quicker. Well, that's kind of the interesting thing about. I mean, about real ale is that depending on where you are in the keg. Yeah. You're getting more oxygen. Well, you're getting a different beer. Yeah. Uh, you know the. The, the 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 beer you get when it's fresh is, I mean, first of all, it's usually very highly carbonated, mm-hmm. uh, and it's and it's, you know, the hops are still, you know, it's more it's it's closer to what you would oh yeah this is the beer mm-hmm. but as it oxygenates and as it you know and, I, and Firkin I'm not as familiar with uh, but I mean real ale I mean part of part of the uh, uh, the you know is you're pumping air in it's also uh, um, losing carbonation in the mm-hmm. process, so your last pours on there are going to be a lot more flat, mm-hmm. which brings out different flavors as well. Yeah, and so there's a couple places. So the brewery I work for, we have Firkins and we have some pin Firkins, and so if accounts are doing events with us, and they're like, "Hey, you know, is there anything fun we could do for this account that this brew day, basically, or this like?" event we can say oh yeah do you want us to do up a firkin of this we'll go let's take one of our ipas and let's add this fruit maybe a little bit of lactose in there and this wacky dry hop make a milkshake version of it on firkin and do the full tapping have it go it's awesome Uh, and basically they just say this is on tap for today we're doing pint specials on it it's three dollar pints while we're doing it or whatever or if they're a busy enough restaurant they're, they're charging normal pints but just have the crowd that'll come in and actually drink it i know handlebar downtown was doing during the pandemic firkin fridays where it was two dollar pints and they had a different brewery in each week uh doing a firkin uh to really try to showcase something different just try to keep people bitter in, creek yeah. i've done firkins down there it's always fun, uh, and it, it's something to kind of change up when you're down there working and having a couple of beers. You can be like, ah, oh, give me, give me the firkin. I mean, it, it's a variation on a beer. I mean, it's uh, uh, and it's fun to order like if you got like a firkin with just a different dry hop, ordering the same beer on CO two and trying them side by side and going, oh wow, like. Well, your brewery also does, uh, at least at one point in time, uh, kept a couple of cask uh, yep. ales. Do they still do that? Still do that. We're basically one of two local breweries that do cask. Well, you know, I mean, there's that there there requires some equipment, some investment, and some. Mm-hmm. We have usually one to two cask on tap at our pub, and that's how I know there's six bars in the valley that do cask. <laughs> because you're, you, you, I I get messages all the time. Hey, do you, do you got any more cask going to the distributor? Oh, yeah, I'll make sure we get some more up this the, week. The, uh, the, 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 the six bars that do cask. <laughs> yep. And then there's three in northern Idaho. Surprise, there's three in northern Idaho. You got Eichhardt's Pub and Grill in Sandpoint. They have two cask engines. Bardenay and Coeur d'Alene. Crown and Thistle and Coeur d'Alene. I need to go there. I've heard good things about the Crown and Thistle. Oh, Crown and Thistle's awesome. You got to have some of Ben's sausage while you're up there. I mean, I uh, listen. I have two rules I live by. I, I don't touch another man's gusto, <laughs> and I really don't need anybody's sausage. <laughs> you can if you want. I'm not judging. It's just not my he thing. He hand makes all the sausage. He owns oh, the or, restaurant. Oh, in that case, I'm in. Uh, in that case, I'm in. Does He's he have, got like the old school like. Does he have any gusto? <laughs> he might pour some gusto on a sausage for you. Uh, <laughs> but they've got these little like boot, meeting booths in there that like you can pull the curtain and it. Like, there's a poster on the wall that describes, like, what those booths were back in old times. and Fair enough. Well, we've been drinking this beer for a minute. Um, this is the Mammoth um, uh, Golden Trout, Kolsch style. Uh, 
What are your thoughts on this one? Way maltier. That's a, that was the first thing. I, I almost get I almost get no hops on this one. This almost and like more biscuit malt than like a, instead of like a malty sweetness, it's like that toasty biscuity malt. Right. Um, Mammoth actually, we they we just got them in town out of uh, well uh, Mammoth Lakes, California. Um, haven't had a lot of their stuff, but. I mean, it surprises me that it's like this malt. I mean, that was the first time I'm like, good God, that's, I mean, if I didn't know any better, that's almost a, I mean, like a blonde, almost an American blonde ale, but even then it's like missing the hops. I'm not sure what to compare it to. Yeah. The, the, the maltiness is a little bit of a, is a little bit of a. Uh, like a less estery golden ale, maybe? Without the, the British quality, without the British quality. I mean, yeah, there are some spicy hops, but they're way in the background. So this is a uh, this is an interesting one. Well, we got one more to do. We better. Uh, uh, I think we ought to to uh, 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 chug and get to it. Uh, Grand Teton's uh, Little Critter Kolsch. Give me a second, bro. Again, where is that college? Uh, uh, uh... I still have to drive. <laughs> Oh, you should live here like I do. It's much easier because uh, you know once uh, 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 once uh, the podcast is done, I just you know fuck off. Well, I have to edit this goddamn thing, mm-hmm. um, and outside of this, that one like really awkward pause uh, uh, in the middle of this, um, maybe I'll leave it in because now I'm kind of hanging a lantern on it. Like I can I can kind of say, listen, there's, there's that awkward pause in the middle where we just kind of both we both looked at each other like, so what do we do now? There's a lot of those. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a. Uh, I'm sure there's one I forgot to edit out in, in some podcast. Somewhere. Oh, I, I kind of think one day we just like record this and go. This is the no look podcast post. No edit, no look, just boom. I well, I mean, I, there are we we have done episodes where I have not had to do any editing at all because it really was just like a seamless. Uh, yeah. No, I'm talking like whatever. We, we, I walk out that door and you hit post. We well, we could just do it live. We that, what you're talking about is we just I, I just uh, hook it up to uh, uh, Facebook and so I guess I, I guess what I'm saying is coming come next year we're gonna we're, we're fuck it we're doing it live we're doing it live. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> we're doing it live. Um, I don't know. We could do that. <laughs> just. Do a uh, uh, just go right on Facebook and people can watch us uh, awkwardly flail at this. Yeah, but then they see your ugly ass face. Worse, they're gonna see yours. Your face is gonna bring my face down. Yeah, but I'm you know I've got I've got like the the sexy like stubble thing going here. I had more stubble <laughs> when I was twelve. <laughs> I believe that <laughs> northern <laughs> Idaho. <laughs> This is like a week's growth for me too. It's kind of nice. Really? Yeah. <laughs> have you hit puberty? <laughs> Barely. Just enough to have a kid. I'm pretty sure I have more gray hair than you too. <laughs> I'm sure that wouldn't surprise me either. Apparently, like the people who can grow facial hair and that uh, go gray first. Yeah, I, I can't. So I'm gonna be I'm, I'm gonna be this sexy for another twenty years. Mm-hmm. Loose term. Uh, anyway, uh, the Grand Teton Critter Kolsch. Um, the hops come out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. More of that sulfury aroma that they're talking about in some of the style guidelines. I get that. I get that on this one. Like a little bit fruity, but I do get like a little bit matchstick. Okay. Get a little more like those noble hops coming through on this. But a pretty dry finish. Yeah. So, um, I guess uh, there's one. That, there's only one thing that remains to to uh, to do. Um, and that's the ranking. That's the ranking. So, uh, what Jeremy, is, start us off. So I. Oh, you make me to start off. Okay. Uh, let me think here for a second. Um, actually, I think we kind of almost we we kind of almost went in order of uh, of. Uh, 
Actually, I'm not changing anything. We almost went in order of... Oh, really? I, yeah. Um, maybe... Actually, I will... I, I, I slightly prefer the Grand Teton to the to, to the Mammoth, so I'll switch those around. Uh, other than that, we kind of went down the line from my favorite to my least favorite. All right. So, uh, yeah, that'll be... that's uh, which, which, for the record, is the Reisdorf Kolsch. I still confirm that's, that's still my favorite. Um, Occidental, close second. And maybe depending on the day, or maybe blind. Also, remember we know exactly what these are. So blind taste test, I might pick a, a completely different um, Fremont. Um, I, I I really dug this one. Um, not as much. I didn't like the the sweet balance as much as the the, the first two. Grand Teton. The I, I, I saw you. I'm getting a little bit of sulfur. Not necessarily a flaw, but um, it's not as drinkable. And then the Mammoth. Yeah, way too sweet. So, I don't know. What's yours? Same thing, but he's switching up. Uh, this was close to swap with the Fremont. The little... So, I got the Occidental Kolsch. I thought it was just a little more crushable. That's fair. I mean... And, and, and that's what I want out of the Kolsch. And, um, I, and again, you know, in a, in a blind taste test, I think I might be like... I might, I might pick Occidental. Yeah. Uh, then I went with the Reisendorf, uh, the Fremont, the Grand Teton. The Fremont and Grand Teton, I almost flip-flopped. Yeah. Just because that Fremont had a little more sweetness on the back end. And I don't know if I wanted that. I For for me, it wasn't... I mean, it had that sweetness, but it wasn't, it wasn't unpleasant. It didn't get mm-hmm. to the point... Poor mammoth. Like I think it, it didn't yeah. get to mammoth sweet. I mean that one. That one wasn't bad. It's it's still it's still nice and refreshing, but it doesn't have that really good balance of like bitter noble hops that really make this style incredibly crushable. Yeah, I mean, out of the five, it was obviously the least close to style. Not saying it was a bad beer. It's just. Trying right next to all of these. Indeed. I don't know if I would be like, oh, yeah, give me one of those. <laughs> well, excellent. Well, Tyler, do you have anything else for us today? No. Other than when we come back, barring a... Uh, barring a, a uh, Modern a, Times a, Fucked Up special. Say, uh, you're going to be a dad. I know. That's so, wild. So, uh, uh, well, first of all, uh, you may have to forgive us a little bit come September because it may be one of those... Like when I, like, uh, uh, well, about uh, two years ago, in fact, almost exactly two years ago, when we came back from the pot, for the podcast, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have to put it off for a week. Well, because my baby's coming, like, yeah. now. <laughs> We're due in August, so I'm like, hopefully. So you don't have that, but. Get that first month out of the way. But the first couple episodes may be remote, and it may be. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see someone. <laughs> it's going to be much more fun to watch you going. And I won't be able to have my screaming blow-ups on a remote episode, especially (laughs) if baby is sleeping, because then it'll be a kick down at the door like a no-knock SWAT entrance, and my wife just hits me with a 12-gauge. Yeah. Oh, that will make me so happy, just like when you, like, to, like... And then Jeremy will stop mid-episode and be like, well, this has been It's All Beer. Uh, Tyler is no longer on this planet. Uh, so if you'd like to attend his memorial service, uh, please check our Facebook for updates. And uh, as soon as his wife lets me know from jail, uh, I'll let you know. Uh, in the meantime, I need a co-host. So if you uh, if you want to be our insult, send your applications to. I really can't. That would be an interesting note slid under the door. Would you? Well, what's gonna be funny is like you'll is like we'll mention like a, a, a fruited set sa- or the the fruited slushy beers. You'll get working. No, son of a. I'm very disappointed. You'll just hear me chewing on something over there. Just, ah. That noise you're hearing is Tyler chewing on his own hand. <laughs> There's blood. I'm actually. <laughs> I think he took a chunk out of his index finger. <laughs> but didn't wake the baby. But didn't wake the baby, which, you know, 
That's important because in in that moment, I will tell you, you will take a chunk out of your index. You finger. know, the, I was gonna say, you know, the saying, "Let a sleeping dog lie." Yeah. Let a sleeping baby lie. Because <laughs> I'll they, wake the dog. <laughs> because uh, they don't go. They never go back to sleep as easy as they they woke up. So uh, I was gonna say, if my wife, she gets worried. Like sometimes our dog will be like really good sleeping and like barely breathing. She'll be like, hey. Push him. He's like, "What the fuck?" Check. Wanted to make sure you were alive. It's like you do that to the kid, I'll fucking hit you. <laughs> we'll have to let me know if that happens. Um, and so, yeah, good times. We'll find out what happened to modern times, and we'll find out what uh, Tyler is like uh, after a month of sleep deprivation. So, I, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, you know what I'm looking forward to? Having the baby in the little front, like Sacagawea chest. And then shoving a couple beers in there, so I got a guaranteed koozie. <laughs> and this has been Parenting with Tyler. <laughs> if you'd like to get a hold of us, uh, we use all the stories. We uh, 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 we put all the stories we use to make this podcast on our Twitter feed. It's all here. One, and I sometimes get in random Twitter fights with people. So if you want to get into a random Twitter fight with me, uh, you can find us at It's All Here One. Um, you can, uh, I put up random pictures and please for by the way uh, one more uh, one more shout out uh, uh, I don't know have, have you gotten anything on your Miller Lite uh, uh, registry oh I haven't looked okay so um, the if, I think there's I think there's like five people who actually listen to this one of you go out and buy Tyler a Miller Lite on his on his uh, uh, baby registry just it's a it's a Miller Lite for fuck's sakes and so do that for him um, we know most of you have real jobs you can afford it. At least one of you does. <laughs> the rest of you work for the beer industry, but the, but the Ben, <laughs> you can afford a Miller Lite. So, but make sure to do it through the website so he gets credit for it. I don't, or, or just give him a Miller Lite. Here, here's a Miller Lite. Would you like a Miller Lite in these type of troubles? Um, I post, I post more that. beer, sir. Uh, I post that, that kind of stuff on our Instagram and our Facebook. Uh, you can find it at It's All Beer. And if you would like to send us an email about stories you want to do or just to call Tyler an asshole, um, it's all beer at gmail.com. I don't check that email, so call away. So I, I, it's me. You're, you're talking to me, but I'll pass the message along. Um, and for and that'll be enough for uh, for the rest of the summer. So uh, until September, I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm going to drink a lot of beer. Have fun. <laughs>